from the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future. Hello again to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. And today I have something like really different. First time ever on the show, I have someone who's coming from actually the movie sector. And I have with me Richard today, joining me from the West Coast in, in the US. Richard, let our, I like the guests to reveal when I have like a surprise. I like them to reveal who are they and what they have worked on. So the stage is all yours. Fantastic. Well, hello, everyone. everyone. My name is Richard Rosser, and I work in uh, the TV business, the movie business, well, show business. I live in Los Angeles, California, and uh, I've worked on TV shows including Grey's Anatomy, the MacGyver reboot, if you all are, uh, are MacGyver fans. Um, this Is Us, which was uh, a big hit on NBC here in the States, and uh, 24. I don't know if anyone watched 24 back in the, uh, in the 2001 to 2010 era, but it was this zeitgeist show with Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Bauer and uh, it, was, uh, it was a pretty high intensity show. We were blowing something up every week or rolling a car. And uh, so I'm, uh, I, I work as what's called a first assistant director. I'm neither an assistant or a director. I'm the chief organizer, the chief logistician when it comes to a TV show. Once we get a script, I break the script down into all of its thousand of elements, props, wardrobe, background players, stunts, effects, everything. And then I usher that through the production process. And I'm the one who figures out how we're going to shove the 10 pounds of poop in the four pound bag and, uh, and make an episode of TV in eight days. So uh, that's a little bit about me, um, Mehmet. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic, Richard. Like, you know, and this, it's an honor like to speak to someone who's behind all these great shows, which are they hit here, by the way, on, in Dubai and in the whole Middle East area. There are like a huge fans, I would say, of these shows. The thing that, you know, caught my eyes, the first thing when I was preparing for this episode is like you have authored recently a book called ChatGPT Simplified, Non-Tech Beginner's Guide. What, you know, triggered you to write this book, actually? Well... So from my years of working in the entertainment business, I'm a storyteller. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fairly technically minded, but that's not, that's not where I go to. I don't go to tech, right? When I start thinking about something, I think about the story behind it. And so as, as I've, I, and, and, and just to give you an update, uh, I'm between shows right now. And mm -hmm. so what I do is I go out and I work with entrepreneurs and businesses and I work at uh, colleges and I, and I do workshops, seminars, programs, and I've created curricula for, for colleges and community colleges here in the United States for programs that teach communication through storytelling. And so basically what that is, is 85% 
of our communication on a daily basis is through some sort of narrative structure, through some story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it may be as simple as just, you know, telling a joke, right? Or explaining to someone why you're late because, you know, there was traffic and, and it becomes a little bit of a story, right? But, but that's how we communicate. And for 10,000, 14,000 years, humans have communicated through storytelling. And so over the course of my career working in the film and TV business, I've realized the, obviously the, the entertainment value of story, but I've also realized the power of story on an everyday basis for everyone and how yeah. we communicate. Yeah, that's, that's actually this, you know, I, I, I was like hesitant to ask this question first or, you know, the question that I will ask now, because storytelling is something important not only in entertainment like on tv shows like it's even important in business right so oh there's, totally. there's a famous say like if, if you cannot tell it in a story way someone gonna forget what you have said so from your experience you know like so how you know the the storytelling is a great way to communicate big ideas can you give like some examples like from you know the experience that you have whether in the TV shows or whether because you said you deal with entrepreneurs as well. So can you highlight a little bit the importance of storytelling? What I'd actually like to do is I'd like to, I'd like to dive into a real sure. brief talk or discussion about the brain science behind mm-hmm. storytelling. And this will give, give you and, and your listeners, viewers, a chance to understand why story works so well and why it's so powerful. Now, have you, Mehmet, have you ever heard of a, of a uh, psycho- psycho- psychological theory called narrative transport? I heard about it, yes. Okay. But, but so, maybe if someone didn't, please go ahead and explain it also so to us. Narrative transport is a concept that is basically we get sucked in to whatever yep. we're watching or listening to or, or reading, right? So, for instance, say I'm, I'm reading uh, one of my favorite books is... Um, is uh, Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. It's, it's like a 900-page book, but it's all about cathedral building in the 12 and 1300s. And when I'm reading that book, I get sucked in and everything else just falls away, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading the book and I'm really into the characters and I'm, I'm, I'm literally following along with them as they're living their life and building cathedrals in the, in the 1200s, 1300s. Meanwhile, my buzzer's gone off. My pizza's burning in the oven. The, the uh, Amazon guy is here with a package that I have to sign for. And, and I'm oblivious to it all. That is narrative transport. And so from a TV or movie standpoint, uh, say, for instance, 24, people would binge watch the show 24. They would, they would either tape episodes or they would get the DVDs and watch three, four, five episodes, just boom, boom, boom in a row. Yeah. It was one of the first binge-worthy shows. And so what happens there is you become immersed in the world of whatever you're, again, watching, reading, listening. It's going to happen with music. You're transported when you're at a, at a concert hall and you're listening to an incredible symphony. And that is narrative transport. Now, mm-hmm. why is that important in terms of a concept? Well, as... As entrepreneurs, as business owners, we can harness that, that brain science. And if we understand how it works, then we can tap into that 
Mm -hmm. And we can use that to our advantage. So if I'm, if I'm speaking with a crowd, there are certain, certain things that I can do that are going to connect me with that group of folks better than not, right? One of them right. is, is eye contact, right? Mm -hmm. if, if, I mean, we've all seen speakers that sort of look up and up and beyond the audience. And right. whether there's a light shining in their eyes or in it, but speakers who do that, they're not, they're not taking advantage of that connection point, right? The mm -hmm. connection point of looking folks in the audience in the, uh, in the eye and making eye contact. Then, I mean, I, you know, there, there's a list of about 10 or 12 things that you can do. Voice modulation, mm -hmm. uh, you, emotion, tension. There are all sorts of things that we can do to heighten that connection. And uh, there's, a, there's another philosophical, or it's not philosophical, uh, psychological uh, uh, theory. It's called, uh, or, or term, called neural coupling. And what that does is when I'm talking to an audience, I'm talking to them. Say, for instance, I'm talking to an audience of plumbers, right? Well, mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk to an audience of plumbers about programming terms, you know, and yeah. okay, Linux and, blah, blah, and, and, and network connections. I mean, that's not what I'm there for. I'm there to talk to the audience about what they're interested in. And I'm there to help solve a, a problem or a challenge or an issue that they're dealing with. And if I succeed, then boom, we, we've got, uh, we've got neuro, uh, narrative transport. And neural coupling is when I'm telling a story or I'm recounting some sort of an event, it, it touches on shared experience between me and the audience. And so the audience all of a sudden feels like, wow, this guy's been there. He's been where I've been and where I am right now. And so for leaders of, again, leaders of businesses and startups, it's great. Storytelling is amazing because it helps you connect with folks on a level that if you're, if you're just giving instructions or orders uh, or, or a to-do list, it, it can't connect with people. And yeah. so what we're working towards whenever we're talking to someone, and again, it doesn't have to be an audience. It can just be, I mean, literally, it could be you and me sitting at lunch and I tell you this story about what happened yesterday and you lean in because, oh, wow, no way. It's, it, yeah. it's interesting, right? And, the, and there's that, that shared experience that we have between us. And how important is, you know, the emotion here? I mean, because you could tell a story, but, you know, like someone would say, hmm, you know, I'm not interested in what you are saying. So how important also to, to put the emotion side inside that? Well, you know, this is, it's interesting because when I first contacted you, I said, hey, I listened to some of your podcasts and do you have any sort of a psychological, psychology right. background? Yes. And that question is one of the reasons that I asked that is because you have this instinct way as an interviewer, as, as a CTO, who's interested and curious about all sorts of things. I've, I've listened to, I think two or three of your podcasts and, and I, I really enjoy uh, your shows. And, and this is why this is, this question is sort of why, because, because you're going somewhere that I would have gone around the next corner. Right? right, because one of the one of the things that when I'm when I'm doing a workshop for folks, I tell them two of the most important things with regard to story 
emotion and connection. Mm -hmm. Really, that's that's, that, that's it. Yeah. Everything else that we're doing, again, voice modulation, um, animation, uh, uh, you know, facial animation, gestures and motion, everything we're doing when we speak to someone is in service of creating emotion for that story and connecting with the person that, uh, that we're telling the story to. So yeah. it, it, your, your question's right on. <laughs> so just for the sake, I didn't share this before. I never had any course even in psychology, but I read some books. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. One of the books that I advise everyone, especially because it's like a CTO show and we talk about tech startups and, you know, read the book called Hooked by Nir Eyal because this book explains actually how to build something that can hook you, right? And this yes. is what you mentioned before, like how you can suck, you know, the, the listener, the reader, the, you know, whoever is watching into that. And there's a way, of course, to do it. Like you need to trigger something that they are interested in and then they have to come back. So I really advise everyone so to, to read this book, especially if you are building some app or developing a, an application. Now, what you mentioned, Richard, at the end about, you know, having this mix, do you think AI, because you have, you know, written the book about ChatGPT, Mm -hmm. Do you think AI can simulate us humans in doing this? Can we see AI being able to get people hooked in and, you know, doing the communications? What's your uh, opinion on this? Okay. So <laughs> because I deal, because I deal with a, I, I, one, one disclaimer yeah, sure. though, I know you are, I know you are in the show, uh, TV business and movie business. So <laughs> we need to keep it realistic. It's not no, like no, a no, fantasy oh, kind I, of thing. No, no. We, we're talking about the reality of AI exactly. here, here on your show, right? We're not going to talk about the, the ridiculousness of, uh, of some of the things that we portrayed in the, in the movies or TV. So, <laughs> uh, my approach with AI and, and again, you know, I, I assume that most of the people who are listening to your show are, are fairly or very technically minded. So they know the difference between AI being an umbrella and then the generative text to text, which is ChatGPT, Bing, uh, Bard, uh, and yep. then we have text to image, which is Dali, Midjourney, et cetera, et cetera, right? So in my mind, and this is again coming from a storyteller's perspective, AI, in, in terms of generative AI, mm -hmm. is simply a tool. And I know everyone, everyone's freaking out right now. And some people are freaking out because they're so excited. And some people are freaking out because they're so anxious and nervous and insecure about this new thing that they don't know anything about, which may take their job or may. So every, everyone has an opinion and obviously it's not the same opinion. Some people are, are are worried that it's going to take their job and other people are excited because they, they know that they can harness this incredible technology. For me, this technology is, is really like a calculator or Excel for a mathematician or an engineer. Right. It enables a calculator or, a, or an Excel program or, or in a high end, uh, some sort of a, a program that helps with formulas like that. It helps engineers create a rocket like SpaceX that can go up into the heavens and drop satellites into orbit. And so for me as a storyteller, the way I view ChatGPT is I can use it to brainstorm. Mm -hmm. It's an 
unbelievable resource from a brainstorming standpoint. Because it it's like it's like I'm sitting in a room with you know with 14 other people, Einstein and Mark Twain and, and Shakespeare and and uh, you know and Prince and I mean all of a sudden I've got all these resources and these these viewpoints and opinions and and thoughts that go way outside the box, way outside of where I can think on my own. And even if I read a book, a hook to, you know, what, about copywriting, it, this, this technology can help me think so far outside the box that it's going to give me ideas that I, I could never have come up with on my own. Then moving from brainstorming into the research, now, of course, you know, we, we know that there are issues with generative AI right. in, terms of, in terms of it going out and having gone through what's called the common crawl and, you know, billions and billions of pages of websites and PDFs and, and uh, dissertations and theses. And some, some have gotten it wrong, right? And that, that's ultimately why there are instances where there are untruths or misconceptions yeah. in that, that are generated by AI, generative AI. And so yeah. it's a great research tool, but everyone needs to check their research. I don't know if you, if you saw, there's an article about a, a, an attorney here in the States and he generated a bunch of, a bunch yeah. of cases. Yeah, went, I've seen this. And, and he went in front of the judge and argued, uh, you know, some points based on these cases that he thought were real. Now, whenever, just a, a tip, Whenever I jump into Chad GPT and I start asking it questions about, you know, say, hey, give me examples of this. I then follow up with, are these examples real? And, and I just do that on my own. But this guy didn't do that for whatever reason, right? So, so it, it, again, this technology has its limitations. So, so there's brain, uh, brainstorming, then research, then there's organization, right? So it can, I, can, I can use this technology to help me outline a workshop outline a class, outline a script. And then ultimately I can use the technology for content creation. And right. your original question, remembering back when, I don't know when that was five minutes ago, but it was, can, can AI really duplicate our thought process or can it, can it write like we write? Mm -hmm. And the ultimate answer is uh, kind of. Right? 90% maybe. Right. Or 80, it, it depends. It, you know, I have a very distinctive writing style. And, right. And AI would have to go through like two or three or four of my books in order to understand that. I, so I, I view writing as sort of poetry and prose and copywriting. When I write, I tend to, I tend to put words in the middle of the page and, and I, and I, and I use sentences that taper off to create shapes on the page. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to, you know, really look at my book, but when you go back and you look at like all the prompts, they're all organized so that there's a long one, a middle one and a shorter one or vice versa, mm. because yeah. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, a design freak. And so, um, so to me, writing isn't just a, just about the words. It's also about the form and the format and the, as well as the content. And, and so, you know, it's, it's very difficult for a computer program to 
to do that as well as write the words like I write them. And yeah. uh, so it's it's a very interesting it's a very interesting question. And one of the things that I that I've really been talking about lately when I when I you know when I go and I talk to folks who are interested in learning more about AI, but they're freaking out a little bit, is I say, okay, I know that there's a fear out there that AI or ChatGPT is going to just turn all of our communication into mush, right? Mm. Because we're going to, you know, it's, it's sort of like, if you think about the burger, like here in America, we, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, 70s, there were all these mom and pop burger stands, right? And they right. had their own ways of fixing the hamburgers. And, you know, you could go to one and it'd be different from the one, you know, 100 yards away. And then McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's or whatever, they all took over. And now it's McDonald's. And everywhere McDonald's tastes the same. And, you know, right. hey, you know, I'm not a big McDonald's fan, but, you know, it's sort of like, all right, well, I personally, there are other places I'd rather have a burger. And, and so ultimately, all the burgers taste either like McDonald's or Burger King. And right. there, there is, sure, there's a possibility that as we, as we all dive into this, as, as all the masses, I think we're up to 170 million people now have, have signed up for ChatGPT. 170 million people. And so as those people do, if all those people use the same crappy prompt to write a blog post or an email response or a Twitter post or an Instagram post, yeah, very soon our whole communication style is just going to go, bleh, it's going it's to turn into mush. Now, the people who really care about communicating and are, and are creative about it, right? I mean, you interviewed uh, uh, Jason Dietrich, I think is his name. He, yes. He, uh, he, I mean, I love his, his, his approach, right? And he, he talks about how, I can't remember the, the specific name of, of what he has, but he has, he has uh, and he doesn't, he doesn't like to call it a disability. It's an ability for him. But uh, right. if you haven't listened to this podcast, uh, this episode, it's fantastic, right? Um, it's, uh, I don't know, which number is it? Do you remember off the top of your head? Uh, 155, right. so, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. look, it's Jason Dietrich. But it's a great episode, and he talks about how he views things differently than other people, and that's what allows him to do what he does best. So right. ultimately, the same thing is going to happen with all this generative AI. The people who are really creative, really individualistic, really original, artists, musicians, tech folks who are creating amazing things, SpaceX, etc., that they are going to take this technology, use it as a tool, and harness the possibilities, and they're just going to make incredible stuff. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm all about, which is approaching this technology. And that's why I wrote, I wrote my book. Uh, it's written in everyday language. It's, mm -hmm. uh, I, I put a lot of cult pop cultural references. In fact, one whole chapter about, about writing prompts is about Alice in Wonderland. So the whole chapter uses That's the journey of Alice in Wonderland going through Wonderland, meeting the Cheshire Cat, the Mad Hatter, the, uh, the Red Queen. <laughs> it, 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 it likens our journey exploring and figuring out this crazy new technology, ChatGPT, as though we are Alice in Wonderland. And so what I'm trying to do is I wrote my book so that so that people can read it and not feel like they're reading a textbook. 
Right. Uh, they can they can read it, and it has just ideas and ideas and ideas. And and I use ChatGPT to help me. I I, I came up with a term which is AI enhanced storytelling. And so mm. to me, uh, it's it's not taking the place of me. I'm using AI, ChatGPT, Bard, or, or uh, Midjourney, whatever. I'm using it to enhance the message that I'm trying to convey or the point that I'm trying to convey. And so ultimately, I view this technology as a tool that can help me be more creative in, in teaching entrepreneurs, business owners, students how to be more productive and more creative in their, in their ways of communicating. Yeah. So just to add on what you said, this is the way I use uh, ChatGPT and the other AI tools. I know that it would not do the perfect things. Uh, funny enough, I had a discussion with a friend. It said, like, are you using it for emails that you want to reply? I said, yes. And I'm using it for emails that are pretty much you know, like kind of standard, right? So, yes. for example, you have a proposal and you want to reply to a proposal. So, yeah, you can use it that way. But if I'm going to propose, for example, I want to, I, I'm not a fan of using it honestly to, uh, in something like I I want to meet a stranger for the first time and I want to send him. I, I'm not a fan of that because. Exactly. Again, it's going to be very obvious. Uh, of course, like, as you said, I can enhance the prompt, you know. Sure. Uh, maybe for blog, by the way, for blog posts, for articles sometimes it does pretty good job if you write the right prompt right so right. if you give the right prompt i've tried many times and now i've learned that how to do the prompt in the proper way so you have to tell you have to give chat gpt a character a voice and actually there's an episode that will come about this very soon uh, of someone who's now leveraging um, you know chat gpt for for her own business you know like mm -hmm. she's relying on chat gpt for a fully you know full-fledged business and there's no nothing wrong with that and you know she said i use chat gpt and actually i help other people to use chat gpt nothing wrong but add as I, as you said richard i believe we need to keep adding this personal touch mm -hmm. so even when i use it and i i'm not hiding anything even when i use it to share a social media post i write mm -hmm. at the beginning to write in my own style because guys let us not lie to each other. I'm not a native English speaker, and you would know that Mehmet cannot come up with such, <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah, I use it. Uh, you do very well, I have to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I use it because you know, like, I, I want someone to. I have ideas in my mind. I need someone you know to to, you know, to stick it all together and then go it. And this is Richard. You mentioned something very important, and I want to ask you how they are seeing this from, you know, like entrepreneurs and in your. Uh, in your business uh, sector, which is the TV and movie, I am. I have my own theory that AI is a tool, as you said, and it. It. I'm not sure. I don't want to say big words now, but I cannot see AI self-thinking. I cannot see AI doing reasoning in the way that hmm. AI wakes up in the morning. ChatGPT wakes up in the morning. Hmm. Let me think today. What's something new I would do, right? It needs someone to go and prompt it. But at the same time, we see some, some people talking, hey, in, in the movie sector, in Hollywood, for example, people are freaking out because they think that someone will replace their jobs. What do you say about that? Oh, it's that 
That's a fantastic question. <laughs> it's, and it's, and it's, we're on day 50 of the writer's strike. So the Writers Guild of America is mm. on strike. I don't know how, if, you know, it, it, you know, what you get I have about that. Right. So, uh, so we're on day, I think today was day 50 of the writer's strike. And so the writers are striking because the whole, in a, in a nutshell, because the whole environment has changed. It used to be based on TV shows and movies, and now it's all streaming. And the big three, if you will, you know, you got Apple, um, Amazon, and Netflix. They, they don't have a tie to the original, what was uh, residuals model. They mm -hmm. basically pay folks, and then they own it. And, and so the writers who have been writing for, you know, their entire careers are used to a certain way of being compensated. And these new streaming services aren't compensating them the way that they're used to be compensating. And so, and, and they're also one of the main things on the table is the use of AI. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I have to say, I, I can't say I don't blame them because they're looking at this new technology and people are saying, oh my gosh, it can write a novel, it can write an essay, and kids are using it in school to write their essays for them. Wait, I used the word write, what, three or four times right then? And that's what all these people, they do for a living. They write for a living, mm -hmm. for TV. And, and so the last thing they want is a studio executive saying, hmm, I wonder what would happen if I just type in you know, create a TV show about two people who own an ice cream store, but, and, and next thing you know, he's got a pilot script. And, and I think the writers are, are apprehensive because first of all, the chances that that script is, are gonna be, it's gonna be really good are pretty much nil, right? I mean, all of us who have gone and played around with ChatGPT over the last few months have realized it takes quite a bit of work to get ChatGPT to write something that you're 100% satisfied with. And it also, the, the longer something is, the, the more of a challenge it is for ChatGPT. It starts sort of going around in circles, it starts using phrases, you know, second, third, and fourth time. And, and uh, it has limits to the number of words that it can generate. Right. Right. And so, so all of the, you know, it's, we're on, the, we're on the verge of a sea change and for, for, for this industry. I mean, other industries, this is the bizarre thing. Other industries like, like Amazon and you know, some, of these, some, of, some of these services have been using AI in, in Netflix in terms of helping folks pick what they right. want to watch, right? right. I mean, these, these companies, Apple, I mean, these companies have been using AI for 10, 15 years. I mean, Siri is all based on AI. The uh, GPS, the interface is all based on AI. And so it's interesting that now with this text-to-text -text generative AI, all of a sudden it's blown up and everyone is excited or free, you know, or, or, or uh, nervous about it. Um, when the technology means, you know, AI itself goes back to the mid-1950s. Um, but it's finally gotten to the consumer. And mm -hmm. the consumer sees it as opposed to it just being behind, you know, in, in a conduit or behind a closed wall or inside a phone. Uh, because we don't know, you know, now everyone understands, oh, wow, that, that was, that's AI. 
but no one knew that two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, they just knew their phone was working and could, and could uh, follow instruction, voice instructions. Yeah, so it's like, this is what they are calling, like, uh, you know, when you have a technology and then you democratize it, so it, it mm -hmm. becomes in the yes. hands of everyone. Uh, of course, a lot of, as you said, bizarre, like is the right word, I believe. Uh, weird things start to appear, you know, like, and funny enough, you know, like, someone who doesn't have any technical background now, and I'm not a fan of, you know, the, the, the social media much, but because of the show now, I have to do repurposing of my, you know, sure. episodes. And I go, you know, on, on Instagram or on TikTok, and I see, like, people, I'm sure 100%, if you ask them how a computer works, they cannot explain that. But <laughs> hey, he, here he is or she is with the her mobile or his mobile. And talking about chat GPT, and, you know, you listen to the tone, mm -hmm. oh, my God, these guys must be coming from Apple or <laughs> Google or Amazon. Oh, come on, guys. But I believe, Richard, and this is my question, that we will reach a place right where anything that doesn't require too much reasoning will stop will cease to exist right i mean from mm -hmm. job perspective and this is where you know and again here sometimes people think i'm mixing fantasy with with reality because mm -hmm. i tell them i believe the place where we are going with ai is ai you, you know and i did even a live um, uh, event about it so I don't believe in not 10 years. I said 10 years, but I said, I think it's less than this. In five years, maybe. I don't believe the, the world that we know it today in terms of work, jobs, would mm -hmm. be the same. Because, again, back to your, to your own you know, word about it's a tool, and a tool mission is to make our lives easier. So in my opinion, we might see AI. What's your take on this? This is my question. We, uh, we might see AI doing actually all the jobs for us, and for all what we need to do is just to have more, you know, this reasoning thing. And God, that, I and hope the, not, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but listen, you still oh, you still wow. you still you still need, but you still need to create entertainment, right? Right. Exactly. So so I'll have a job, but no one else will. It's, it's good for <laughs> no people will have job, but I mean their their job will be more in in, in creativity rather than physically doing something and. Physically, but I mean physically doing something for me, replying a an email is a physical yes. job. Right. Uh, filling Excel sheets is a is a is a physical job, and doing something which can be automated by a machine is a dummy job. Honestly, like if Absolutely. a machine can, if a machine can do something that I spend eight hours per day, and sometimes in other places in the world they spend twelve hours per day to do the same thing. Machine would do it, but but, but again, I, I like so to see what how how you are seeing you know the future from your perspective, Richard. Well, I in my book I have a quote from Mark Cuban. Uh, he's he's on Shark Tank, right? He's he's one of these billionaires mm. who has all these companies, and he he's very technically minded and and technology minded. And his quote is, uh, "You better learn about ChatGPT, or else you're going to be a dinosaur in three years." Now. Three years, five years, six months. No one knows. No one knows. Who who knows, right? And and also, um, it, it's going to hit different industries, different businesses in a different way and at a different speed. Uh, but but again, I I want to go back and just and just talk to your viewers, listeners. I know some people are watching this, some people are listening to it. Right. Yeah. And just stress that 
don't stress. Take a deep breath. Learn right. what you can about this new technology. Learn how you can use it to service what you do and what you do best. Because, Mehmet, you're saying exactly what's going to happen. It's going to take things that we don't like doing, that take a lot of time. It's going to automate mundane tasks. And if those mundane tasks uh, ultimately are not part of the experience that you create for your clients or your, your audience, you know, wh whatever you do as, as, as your job, your career, your work, mm -hmm. then people are going to be glad to let right. AI take that over, right? But what, what I find, and, and this is why I'm so passionate about what I've, what I've termed AI-enhanced storytelling, is that, again, I can go and have a spark of an idea, and I can type that into ChatGPT and say, how can I amplify this? How can I make this more creative? And ChatGPT can help streamline the process of helping me create that. And, mm -hmm. and I also, I, I'd like to go back to, I think it was, I think the printing press was invented in 1455, if I have it right. The, the, uh, uh, and, and I'd like to, I'd like to remind everyone, let's take a, a brief step back into history. All right. So prior to the printing press, communication of stories was done by it was done by voice, right? right? We had people who were who were storytellers. It was the vocal, the oral tradition, and so those people, those stories would be handed down from grandfather to father to to grandson to, and then and beyond. The stories both about families, but also about cultures and traditions. And so, imagine, imagine when the the the, the printing press came, and all of a sudden. And it didn't happen overnight. You know, there weren't 170 million people who all of a sudden knew how to read. It took a little bit longer, right, in terms of people learning how to read and, and knowing that they had access to books on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. But, but the point being, think of all those people who were involved in and with and around the oral tradition, minstrels, uh, you know, uh, jesters, people who told, you know, in, in town squares. You think they weren't freaking out? about this new thing, the printing press, and the course that was of coming course. for their jobs? Of course. And yet people still tell stories. People still perform stories. How many, how many types of stories are there? Not, not, you know, Shakespeare has what the seven types of stories. I'm talking about there's movies, there's animated movies, there's TV shows, there's, there's, uh, there's podcasts. I mean, how many different medium are there for stories now? It's mind-boggling. And so to me, AI in general, and then ChatGPT Bard being whatever, are going to help amplify the possibilities and the creativity right. that we as creators, entrepreneurs, uh, tech folks who are on the, on the cutting edge of providing customer services and experiences, oh my gosh, what a time. I mean, right. this is the industrial revolution again, or, right. or even I mean, bigger, bigger. It's, it's the possibilities are incredible. And that's, and that's one of the reasons that I love your show is because 
you're 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 blending the thought of tech and 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 this presentation of concepts and stories and uh, and and personal experience. And so th- that's that's you know, I, like I said, I, I listened to a couple episodes. It was just this afternoon. I was I was actually uh, uh, doing some work out back in my house, and and I was just like, oh man, yes, yes. And and so you're you're bringing this together. Trying and to. So your audience must just be like, yeah, this is fantastic. Hope, I hope I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. It should. By the way, just to your point, and something just came to my mind now is you mentioned about how the storytelling changed because I remember, you know, I, I used to love, by the way arts and i still love arts a lot and you know one of the things that they usually used to 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 debate about is theaters right so theaters is one of the oldest things ever where people used to come and right and when and when the when when the first cinema came out they said ah theaters will be dead and it didn't die and then the tv came out and it didn't die then the internet came and it didn't die then netflix came and it didn't die right so 100 percent, like there are things that it will never die, right? Like, especially, I'm a believer of human communication. Uh, if you, if you, if today, instead of me, you know, having the show, uh, the CTO show with with ChatGPT, believe it or not, I'm sure like people will love the first two episodes, and then they will see that ChatGPT actually mm-hmm. is asking the same questions again and again, and it will be in a monotone, you know, way, which they will not like it, right? Uh, well, Richard, like we, we're coming to, to the end of, of the episode today, and I have the Dude, famous yeah. question. <laughs> uh, <so> yeah. <laughs> I want to make that uh, like longer, but you know, like, I just, uh, yeah, yeah. So I have the famous question. We can do another episode. Don't worry, by the way. Sounds good. Uh, I have the famous question. What question you wished I asked you and how you would answer it? Oh right. Okay. So I got I got so excited that I forgot about this question. Um the question <laughs> um um well how well you're probably gonna ask this anyway, but but uh how folks can get a hold of me so that we can so that we can really, really continue forward with this this discussion. Because sure. I have to say, Mehmet, I I've had such an enjoyable time uh, on, on your podcast. And, uh, we've covered some really interesting ground. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I guess I, you know, I can't, you, you really asked, uh, some great questions. I, I can't think oh, of a question you. that, uh, that, uh, that I would have asked. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I, I, I wish that I, you know, I'm doing my job well. Uh, it's for me, by the way, for people who doesn't know, I never took a training how to be a good interviewer. I never, had a media thing. It's it's a talent I had uh, when I was child. I still remember I used to get the tape recorder. Uh, right. Yeah, they were famous things. Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> and what I used to do is uh, we used to have the tapes, right? So if you remember the tapes. Oh, the cassette tapes, of course. The cassette tapes, yeah. So, and, you know, like I hit the record button. Uh, my father was angry on me because I was getting the ones which are not empty, which like they have the songs on. And then oh, I was... Uh- <laughs> and I was sneak over where where they exactly. Right, I was I was over I was overdubing that, and you know, <laughs> I was acting as if I have my own show. I can't sure. remember exactly what I was doing, but funny things enough. And I told my dad, I said they should invent something that prevents someone like me to over record. And then actually they did it. So they had this thing that you need actually to break it. It was a little tab, <laughs> right? 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I used so to just take a piece of scotch tape and put it over that <laughs> so I can take over. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really really like yeah. But again, Richard, thank you for reaching out to me. Like, and I, I think we can take this discussion, you know, for for long time. Um, if someone wants to reach out to to you, I know there is a link. I will put that in the oh, episode fantastic. description, Perfect. and I will put that also on the YouTube description as well. And as usual, if you have, if you want to ask Richard any question, like you will be able to reach out to him. You will be able to reach out to me if you have feedback about this episode. And maybe you will say why you have someone like Richard who's from the movie industry. Because guys, what I'm trying to do, technology people think it's a very, you know, like it's a very rigid thing that it cannot be mixed with something else, which I don't oh. believe in. Um, so technology is, is now, especially with ChatGPT, ChatGPT mm -hmm. open it for everyone. So this is why... I had someone from NASA. I had today Richard. Like the day before, I had someone who's in the, you know, burnout, uh, chief burnout officer. It was mm -hmm. Mike. Right. And and I had like someone who's into the HR also as well. So we are trying to do this mix for a reason. We want technology to not just be seen as, you know, a rigid thing, something that oh, that's boring. Technology is fun. And this is why I have the show. And this is why I call it the CTO show. I know like it's uh, kind of, contradictory but this is why the show is called the cto show thank you very much richard and for oh, the for the listeners of you are watching if also you are interested like richard to come on the show and be a guest with me you can find me on linkedin twitter you can send me an email you see my email in the episode uh, sorry in the podcast description also as well on youtube you can find me you just type my name in google so i can <laughs> i will come out and uh, Again, uh, until we meet in a new episode, thank you very much and thank you. Bye-bye. Hit that subscribe button. Share the show with your tech-savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us.